Hi everyone, this is Saya. And this is Laika. And you're listening to Stars in My Pocket. And today we've got two special guests with us. We've got Sailor Jumun. Hello, this is Sailor Jumun. Uh, and Chikachunga. Hi, this is Chikachunga. And welcome, <laughs> friends. And thank you so much for joining us. Um, our listeners, you may know them as writers at Drama Beans, where they write very, very cool recaps. So today we're talking about Forest of Secrets, um, also known as Stranger on Netflix. It's a legal thriller. Um, in which Hwang Shimok, a coldly logical prosecutor played by Jo Sung-woo, and Han Yo-jin, a tireless detective played with played by Bae Doona, um, team up to catch a serial murderer, but they find themselves in a shadowy maze of corruption where neither friends nor enemies can be trusted. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, so what did everyone ha- think of the drama, like, generally? What did you guys think? Well, hands down, this was the best drama of 2017 for me, and I deemed it that even before the drama ended, and when I finished watching it, it only confirmed that belief, and I still believe that it is the best drama of 2017, Um, and yeah, I just thought it was directing, writing, and acting perfection. It was just so assured on all counts. And I feel like Korea is still getting used to making pre-produced dramas, but when done properly, you get the masterpiece that is Forest of Secrets. Um, people can refer to Scarlet Heart for how not to make a pre-produced show and waste $13 million. Um, (laughs) but yeah, this is seriously my favorite show of this year, and I'm glad that there was a drama that came out this year that I can rave about because I honestly thought 2017 would fly by and I wouldn't have a drama to rave about. Not that many good ones, huh? Nope. Have you seen the ones I recapped? Oh, <laughs> poor you. Entourage, in case anyone wants to know. Oh, God. <laughs> was that this year, right? Yeah, I so. think it counts as this year because it ended this year. And then also and Manhole, right? Oh, yeah. yes. And Sassy Girl. Poor baby. I'm just so lucky. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to come in on a slightly negative note here um, because Mm -hmm. I started this a little bit late, but I'd heard a lot of the hype. Like, you know, everyone was saying how amazing it was. People were calling it the best drama of 2017, even before, you know, um, it had finished airing, just like you, Chikashanko. So I was like, ooh, it's a thriller. Um, was I watching Criminal Minds at the time? I might have been. And that will tell so you right, everything yeah. you need to know. <laughs> Again, another <laughs> example of how not to do pre-produced dramas. Um, so I was like, okay, I need a good drama in my life. And I started it. But I think it took me about six, seven, six episodes before I properly got into it. Like, it was really dense. And it was very hard to get into. And you kind of, it wasn't so much that you didn't know what was going on, although that was also true. It was also that it was quite hard to connect to emotionally. Like, it took me the full run of the drama to be really emotionally invested in it. By the time it was over, that's when I was like, ah. Sailor Jimin, what did you think about it? It was interesting for me, especially since um, I recapped half of it, of course, at uh I didn't know how to feel going into this, and like Sadaya said, it was kind of a slow build for me. But I think it was just those two main characters that just made me completely fall in love right off the bat, because, I don't know, they were stra- strangely relatable, despite Shimok being emotionless, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, it was, like you guys have said, a little bit, dense and difficult to get into at first but I I'm, I'm with you um Sailor Jumon on that it's those two characters that just they're so fascinating and interesting and like from the first conversation they have with each other they have so much chemistry and those two actors are so so good that yeah like even though he is supposed to be emotionless you can see that it's like a cold wall but there's a lot happening underneath rather than just like a robot which we've gotten male leads like that before, and they're just not interesting. Mm -hmm. So, But yeah, it definitely was a slow build to the emotional climax at the end, which was just incredible. I think rather than emotionless, um, Shimok was... I think he he wasn't quite emotionless. He was... um, 
uh what's the word this is what happens when i don't know what i'm saying <laughs> there was like there was you could clearly see that there was a wall between him and his emotions he had the emotions but he couldn't connect to them and i found that right. really interesting because it mm -hmm. wasn't quite the same because we've had emotionless heroes before you know k-dramas actually like doing that and they do that pretty well but he wasn't quite that he was someone who had emotions that struggled to reach the surface and mm -hmm. like um, sort of uh, uh, neurologically, from a neurological point of view, that's really interesting. Um, right. But also, I think that was part of what makes the disconnect. Like for me, when I watch something, if I can't emotionally connect with the show in some way, I can't enjoy the show. And actually, when I was watching this, I was thinking a lot of, you know, the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime, the book, mm -hmm. and and it was, you know, it was a very uh, a highly praised. A book and I read it back when it came out and I I really you know everyone around me was like this is amazing and I was like I don't get it I don't like <laughs> it it wasn't even that I don't get it it was like I don't like it because I don't mm -hmm. understand I can't connect with this protagonist um but yeah it wasn't quite the same here but it did make me think of that the fact that I need to connect with the character but I think that's probably where you know Josungu being the actor plays uh, you know he plays the part of drawing you in even if you can't feel his emotions the fact that he can't feel his emotions but wants to is is the avenue into connecting with him I thought I thought yeah I totally agree with what you mean when you say that he's not emotionless um I feel like he's such a fascinating character because he's I guess you can say emotionally <coughs> impaired but he's so incredibly perceptive and I think it's because yeah. of such impairment that he's able to really hone in on details that an ordinary person would easily miss like he's such a cerebral thinker and he relies solely on cold hard facts and rock solid evidence and you know, he may be stunted socially, but he has all the qualities you'd want in a prosecutor. And also, he never struck me as someone who didn't understand social cues. I feel like, you know, he's no dummy. So when his colleagues are eating lunch without him and side-eyeing him at a table nearby, instead of feeling like a loner, he doesn't really linger on the awkwardness. And instead, he just focuses on his lunch, which he never ends up finishing. Poor thing. Part of that is also because we see that, you know, brain surgery thing, which was the only thing in the drama that felt kind of weird and kind of shoehorned of in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but so it's like he has this narrative his whole life of like, I can no longer feel emotions. So he kind of believes that he doesn't feel emotions. And then everyone kind of accepts that narrative as well around him because they don't actually care enough about him to actually look closely enough at him to right. see that he does have emotions. But then when he meets Yojin she's so interested in him and she's mm -hmm. like she's like yeah obviously you have emotions like here's your angry face you know she's like gives <laughs> him the drawing it's it's so great and he's oh, finally so somebody's actually telling him like you do have emotions like here's the proof and for him that's like the perfect way to tell him because he loves proof like he needs to see proof right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. totally it's a really interesting point you make like about the narrative that uh, surrounds him and it's interesting because it's the it, it shows you the power of the narrative to create a person because it's a story that's been told and repeated he does not feel emotions uh, and yeah. here comes Yojin who she doesn't care about that story even if she's heard it she doesn't care about it because you know she's a much more empirical person than that she's not going to take she's going to take him at face value she's not going to take the stories and it's part of what makes her uh not just a really good detective it's what makes her a really good friend and it makes her a really good um sort of a character overall and again one of the ways with which you emotionally connect to the show as a whole yeah, I was going to say, like, that's even though he's a little bit distant in the beginning, but because um, Yojin is so full of heart and yet so empirical, like you said, at the same time, like she brings both of those things. Um, but you can see from the first scene how much she cares. And so for me, like, that was where the emotional connection came from the beginning is with her and how much she cares about, like, finding justice and chasing bad guys and... Um, she doesn't wear heels, which is awesome. <laughs> oh my god, yes, completely. You know, like, I love her. Every like, time I saw her shoes, that... I celebrated. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to ask everyone, like, was there a point where you thought she finally, I guess, for lack of a better word, warmed up to him? Because I feel like there was definitely a few episodes where they were both kind of questioning each other, like, should I trust this person? But then... 
there wasn't really a click, but it was definitely kind of a smooth sailing into this relationship. Do you guys kind of know when that happened for you? For me, I think he started trusting her much earlier than she trusted him, I think, because mm-hmm. do you remember? In, I think it was either episode one or two where um, they're driving the car on the way back from like that first night when they met. And he asks her, like, what are you going to do with this evidence? And he, he's like, what a kind of a person is Hanyojin? Like, who is she? And she kind of thinks about it and he drops her off at the police station and he leaves. And then she exposes that information in a way that like makes the police look bad. And I feel like that was almost like a test and she passed his test. And after that, he just trusted her because after that, like you see him continuously like bringing her into the investigation and trusting her, even though he doesn't trust anybody else. Um, Whereas she kind of hears those rumors about his violent past and she starts to have doubts about him in the beginning. And like there, there's a point at which she starts to trust him, but I think it's much later on. And part of it is just seeing how much he trusts her is part of what I think convinced her to trust him as well. It was done pretty fluidly, which is why I think it kind of stunned me, I guess, in a good way. I was just like, whoa, when did this happen? Yeah, I can't really think of like one moment where they finally trusted each other. It all felt very gradual and like very imperceptibly done. And I think that's a testament to how great the show is. It just seemed like a natural progression, their trust. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I think maybe because, like, as you're recapping, you look at every moment, like, so many more times and so much more closely. There are some moments that stick out to me, but I think if I had just been watching it, it would have felt much more gradual and kind of imperceptible. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, I think Forced of Secrets had a ton of tight close-up shots of the actors' faces. And even the tiniest of movements on Chosunga's face, like a slight furrow, a subtle grimace, the change in his eyes, were all we needed as viewers to sort of understand how Shimok was feeling. And I'm just yeah. a huge fan of him, so I am biased. But I honestly think it's a testament to Chosunga's acting prowess. He really acts with such ease. And then you watch the behind-the-scenes footage of him just, like, goofing around on set. And it's it's funny because like he I don't think he's the kind of actor that sort of needs to like who needs hours to like get into character he just Mm -hmm. you know once the camera's on he's ready to go he's so good he's so good yeah I haven't (laughs) seen him in anything since I watched God's Gift classic (laughs) like year no I never saw God's Gift but I watched the classic like four or five years ago this is actually that the first drama is. I've seen him in, too. Like, I've yeah. seen clips of God's Gift, and I I know about the ending. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Everyone knows about the it. ending. <laughs> Do you know what, though? Can I just make a, a comment about uh, God's Gift, even though we're talking about Forest of Secrets? Um, basically, Chosunya is the reason that I just, I thought I would give Forest of Secrets... One of the reasons I thought I'd give Forest of Secrets a shot. But um, in God's Gift, he's amazing. Um, he is. And despite the ending, it's a show mm-hmm. that's worth watching. And the ending, basically, don't watch the last 10 minutes. But other than yeah. that, it's like, it's amazing. If, it had, if not for the Does last 10 really minutes, that would be one of my all-time favorites. <laughs> Interesting. Now I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Black, which is airing right now, which is my favorite show on air at the moment, is from oh. the same writer as, as God's Gift. And again, it's amazing. It's so tightly written and so just intricate and the plotting is just, it's really, really detailed and yeah, it's amazing. But I'm scared about the ending because mm. of God's gift. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll let you get back to us on how that ends up, you know, wrapping up and whether we should <laughs> check it out. Okay, I need to ask you guys this. Did you ship them? Yes. Oh my God, yes. What cold, heartless person didn't? <laughs> Seriously. I don't think I'm cold and heartless, but I didn't necessarily <laughs> ship them. Cause ship I them as friends. And them as potentially friends? more. Okay, friends, yes. More than friends? Mm, not really. Like, if it happened, cool. If it didn't happen, also cool. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean. <laughs> I mean, okay, maybe then, yeah, it wasn't going to happen, but still, it's fun to hope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, was... that is a much more complex question than 
it seems, because <laughs> they, as friends is how I really, really love them. But mm-hmm. I don't know if that dynamic would be the same if they were a romantic couple. That is true. So, like, you I feel like with this writer, it could work, you know? Like, I don't think this writer would take it to that sappy place that just doesn't belong with these characters, you know? Yeah, sappy is not in her... <laughs> <laughs> exactly and you know like that that scene like spoilers for the last episode but like you know when the end scene where they're sitting at the pojang matcha table mm-hmm. eating like noodles together and, and mm-hmm. you know she's wearing the red lipstick and he's like what's wrong with your face and then <laughs> and then he's like i'm leaving and she's like well when you come to seoul just come stay at my place i was like yes this is happening <laughs> I forgot that scene happened. Thank you for reminding me. Oh, that scene had me, like, giggling all over the place and having so many feels. <laughs> there were was... so many good scenes that took place at the Pojong Matcha between the two. There yeah, were. Just their place. Yeah. Where the magic it happens. Their... It kind yeah, of characterizes their... the quality of the whole relationship, isn't it? It was just very everyday, very kind of... Casual. Yeah, low-key and real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so different from like the the office, you know, of yeah. the prosecutor's office. It was like the one setting that wasn't sterile or gray or blue or black. Oh, <laughs> With so that dark. red table, yeah, it was so warm <laughs> for sure. Okay, so we talk about Insu. Yeah. Oh, we're there already. <laughs> Are we there already? I mean, unless you have more to say about the relationship. I mean, I could talk about them all day, but. <laughs> oh, I think we should talk about Yojin's drawings. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, first of all, I love her drawings. I mm-hmm. love how she's such a serial doodler. Like she has pages and pages of doodles, but her drawings aren't even good. Like they're not well drawn. Um, and like her sketches of Shimok aren't photorealistic at all but there's some aspect to them that are so accurate be it like Shimok's grimace or his eyes there's always like one thing about her crappy drawings that's like spot on and I love that (laughs) they were crappy drawings (laughs) it's totally it captures his essence even though it's not like yeah uh, art school level and then he goes home and he like saves them preciously on his desk. And then he oh. looks in the mirror and tries to copy them. And I was just like dying. Yeah, it oh, means yeah, like yeah. he. Oh my god. Like it means he also identifies with that crappy drawing, and I freaking love it. <laughs> the best. <laughs> Even though he's like, "Don't give me any more drawings," but like secretly he loves them. <laughs> I mean, they're not crappy, but it definitely looks like a third grader drew. <laughs> yeah. And she just keeps drawing. Like, I think she even stuck some on her walls, like, in her room. It's just, just, it's so yeah. weird to think sticking your own work on your wall. I, I mean, I would do it if I was, like, proud of my work. And I thought it was, like, good. But oh, she's proud of She her thinks work, it's good. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She is, <laughs> and also, I think it's, like, the way, it's one of the ways that she looks at the world and processes it. And I totally get that, like. You see something, and it's like her, it's almost like her diary, but it, she does it in drawings. And then she goes home and, like, sticks it on her wall, and, like, she kind of has that as a record of things that she oh, did, or, like, people she right. knows, or people she that's saw, you know? That's and how, that's how she, it. that's how she investigates crime scenes, too. Like, she's always doodling notes, or, like, observations. Hmm. <laughs> Do we want to say anything else about uh, Yojin before we move on to Unsu? Did anyone have issues with her? I think I was looking at the notes and it kind of seemed like there were some gray areas about her development, I guess. Um, Yojin's development? I didn't have any problems with her, but I remember in the comments some people were like, she, she has zero development, Shimok is the one with all the development. So I was just curious, like, do you like what they did with her character? Did you wish that she had more of an arc? Like, um, Sailor Jumun, do you want to talk about that? Were you happy with the development that Yojin had? Yeah, or were you happy with her character? Because I remember some viewers were saying like, she doesn't. We don't really know anything about her. She's not. She hasn't changed. She's the same from the beginning to the end of the drama. So, I don't know. You know what? I think what most people were kind of annoyed with was, um, quote unquote, she seemed kind of one note, as in she just seemed like this very good person without any flaws. 
and they were kind of waiting for this moment for a change or something like that. But I I don't know. I didn't necessarily feel that. I just felt like she genuinely was a good person. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with you. I wasn't looking for an arc of development or like yeah. a secret, you know, past of trauma. Agreed. You know, and I like mean, it was... there were there were times when, like, she kind of has this image of this, you know, really strong, independent uh, police officer, but she does have moments where she kind of breaks down, and that kind of humanizes her a bit. Totally, <clears throat> I totally agree with that. Yeah, I I didn't have any issues with the fact that there wasn't any development. In fact, I think she's one of my favorite female K-drama protagonists. Um, I love that she's so smart, she's cool, she's level-headed, she has a big heart, and she's very understated. Like, she's not showy or loud about her feminism, and I really love that. Um, And also, Pidzina is amazing. She's a solid actress. And she has this charm and star quality that I wouldn't necessarily call mainstream, but I think that's her greatest appeal. And it works in the fashion world and movies and in TV. There's something about her that's just very eye-catching. She's very likable, yeah. You just yeah. And Absolutely. I like that um, whenever she was with Shimok, she wasn't overbearing or condescending. Um, and she just really understood him, and they worked well together. Yeah, it was great. Oh, they're so cute. <laughs> they, are. Oh. they are. I mean, like, the other thing is, did you notice that she was so comfortable with him? Whereas everybody so else would kind of, like, leave this, like, space around him. Like, they wouldn't yeah. even, like, they wouldn't even give a chance to the uh, idea of, like, touching him or getting too close to him. Or she would just, like, pat him on the back and be like, let's go. And, like, grab his <laughs> arm and be like, come on, we're going to the crime scene. And it was just, and he was like what are you doing? Like, people don't touch me. <laughs> like, what is this woman doing? It was great. I feel like that comes from, um, like, her intuition about people as well, and that with Shimok, she's, like, she can see that he's a person where what you see is what you get. Like, there's no um, mm-hmm. artifice in him. He doesn't play games. He doesn't... He's, like, the complete opposite, uh, for example, of uh, Dongjie, and we're going to obviously talk about him later. But um, he's a person who is exactly what you see, and that's that. And that makes her able to interact with him at that exactly, at exactly the same level where she doesn't need to pretend or dissemble or, you know, play games. It's almost, I mean, they're, obviously they're both completely full-grown adults, but it's almost like a, a watching a, um, a grade schoolers interact. They're just, they're really, you know, they're not hiding anything from each other. They're just doing whatever naturally comes to mind immediately that is necessary to do. Yeah, so I like that dynamic. Sincere. And her loyalty is really... It, not just to Shimok. Once she decides, like he's one of her people, mm-hmm. she's like, I. Once she like keeps people on her side, you know, and she's loyal to them, even if that loyalty means calling them on their BS, you know. But she's mm-hmm. like, okay, now you're on my team. I'm gonna like be all in for you. I really yeah. like that about her too. The whole special unit was great. I just love that. Yeah. Thing. Are we going to talk about Jungbun? Was that his name? No, I don't think we are. Or yeah. that one. I mean, we could. Uh, we could talk about the team, and we could talk about him. As he ended up being a very useful. We thought guy. he was gonna. There was gonna be more to his character, and then he was just kind of there. I don't right, know. Right. I th- I like, thought that he was going to turn out to be shady, as in you know they laid down all sorts of little things that you thought would be. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were just meant to be red herrings. I don't know. Yeah, but, um, I think it was a red herring. What, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> did you did you find that his the his backstory with Shimok worked? Because I wasn't so sure about that. I think what I got out of him in the end was just that he was a very insecure person. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of showed in his dynamic with Shimok, where like even though he kind of had a grudge against him from the past, he understood that like he's now has lower status, and he kind of needs Shimok to you know make a living or to help him in some way, and so he's like willing to sacrifice his pride yeah now that i you know like smiley and kind of ingratiating you know yeah now that i think about it i don't think his backstory um was necessary um so that's a good point you raise but i agree with like uh in that ultimately we just found out that he wasn't such a bad guy and that he has crippling insecurity (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's I guess I guess his backstory. Oh no, sorry, sorry. Go oh. ahead, Taylor. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, it's also just the fact that the actor, um, from what I've seen him in, he's been in. I, if I'm thinking of the right person, he's been in a lot of comedic roles. So I couldn't really take his character all that seriously. <laughs> I was oh, like, oh, a good point. oh no, he's yeah. fine. He's not shady. <laughs> the problem with this, or the problem, and it's, uh, I guess, its awesomeness was also, you didn't know what to think of any character at any given time, because you mm. know you are suspecting everybody. <laughs> exactly, you just had no idea. Like this was one of the very few shows where I was like, who is the villain? Like we, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I didn't know. I don't know if you guys knew, but like I was just so blown away by every turn. Yes, I love that ambiguity. Yeah. And, like, every episode, you're just, like, reeling by what happens in the last ten minutes. And I would just be like, oh, my God. Like, my heart is, like, on the floor and my brain is, like, over there and it's in pieces. Like, I just didn't know what was going on. I was like, okay, now I have to write about this. (laughs) The fingers were great. It was just like a movie. It was just like a long movie. It It really was. 16-hour-long movie? Was it 16 episodes? Yeah, except there was longer than 16 hours because those were some long episodes. <laughs> some of them were so long. <laughs> the finale was 90 minutes. Oh my god. That's the oh, one was... time I did it mine though. Like TV Because you went recapping. Was... I was recapping <laughs> the finale, so I minded. <laughs> but it was great though. Yeah, quality wise, I mean, the 90 minute episode was perfect. Like, I had no qualms about that. I think the only times we hate 90-minute episodes are when we're recapping. Like, I know when I recap every minute it goes over 60, I hate the show. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how I felt with Entourage. <laughs> <laughs> when it's a bad show, it just adds insult. Yeah, Not Criminal Minds. Not bad show, it's the worst <laughs> show ever. It just seemed like it shouldn't have been over an hour at all. No, because the original is half an hour. Like, whose brilliant idea was that? Guys, Entourage <laughs> should not have been a K-drama. It should not have been anything. Yeah. It shouldn't even exist. Like, No. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to Unsu. Unsu. Or Unsu. I really liked Unsu. Me too. Actually, I couldn't stand her in the beginning, and I didn't know where her alliances lay, but I liked that, again, ambiguity, because it kept me wondering until her, spoiler alert, demise. Um, and I think this might be an unpopular opinion, but I didn't really see her death as textbook fridging. Like, she wasn't a throwaway character, and she wasn't inserted into the story merely for the purpose of killing her off, or at least that's how I saw it. And I was really moved by her death. Do you think her death served a purpose to the plot? Mm, I think it did, and I don't have any problems with that. <laughs> I think they kind of needed her her loss to move on from that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, not so much as a, as, um, a way to move the plot, I just think... They kind of needed that push, if you know what I mean. For the character development. Yeah. Okay. I I thought she seemed kind of pushy at first, and I was kind of scared they were going to push. I mean, I can't say love triangle because there's not really a romance, but they were kind of pushing her relationship with Shimok. I was scared they would do that, but I kind of like how... uh, I don't know how to explain where you knew it wasn't going to happen and that she was trying so hard, not for his affections, but kind of for his, help me out here, his... Validation, uh, approval. His attention, maybe? Yeah. Yes, his approval. Yeah. And also, like, um, you just, uh, Sidney, when you describe her, well, I'm sure you didn't mean it this way, but when you say she's pushy, I really liked that about her character, that she wasn't sort of a, a lie-down-and-take-it kind of person. She was very, like, she had a lot of initiative. She went out and did things on her own. She wasn't always likable. And I remember there were a lot of complaints about her character, like, before her demise. They, they People just didn't like her. I actually really did mm-hmm. like her. And I thought she got a lot of unfair uh, criticism because she was a woman who went out there and got things. Who played, you know, she took part in the game. She played the game. Um, and that was something that was really admirable. Um uh, it's one of those things again it's like a um i don't know uh, a sexism thing but if a man mm-hmm. character was like that people wouldn't criticize him 
Um, but a woman Great. doing that is immediately the object of criticism. Mm -hmm. But I really liked that about her. Yeah, I liked her too. She was a great character. Like it? Yeah, like I don't know if I would have liked her as a person, especially in the beginning, but I found her fascinating and I loved her as a character. You know, mm -hmm. like maybe I wouldn't have wanted her as my colleague because she was a little bit of, like, she was a little bit reckless. And I think I would have found her reckless and a little bit, um, you know, she, she acted in dangerous ways and I think that would have been the same thing even if she was a man. So I don't think that's mm -hmm. like, sexist to not like some of her actions so what did you guys think of the villains uh, actually who are the villains i guess we should define who the villains are so we've got yu jae myung who was uh the prosecutor Lee chung jun um mm -hmm. I, was he i guess he was the primary villain i find it really hard to even call him the villain because i guess that's the nature of the show and the character mm -hmm. uh, what do you guys I think technically well, I would say that the person who felt like the villain was definitely his father-in-law, the person above him. Because he just seemed god-awful. Just... Mm. <laughs> and then, I don't know, something about Yi Chang-jun, there was... It was like you knew he was up to something, but at the same time, you were kind of rooting for him. You were kind of... Yeah. I don't know, it was... It I know was what like, you mean. Yeah, like there was this fight between him and Shimo, but you weren't exactly sure mm -hmm. who to root for. It was like yeah, literally yeah. to the last minute you didn't know which side he was on. If there were yeah. even sides. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like... Mm -hmm. Sorry. No, sorry. I was just going to say he wasn't obviously the bad guy. And like what Saya said, it wasn't apparent what side he was on until the very end. Like, for a bad guy, he was kind of good. Sometimes. Yeah, he was. Sometimes. <laughs> and then he, he was sympathetic. Yeah. Kinda, did anyone else feel kind of... I don't know if this was just me, but when um, Shimok went back on that television broadcast, remember, to um, kind of announce mm -hmm. how he solved the, uh, the murders, all the crimes, right. and he kind of mm -hmm. said that he didn't feel bad or something along those lines. He didn't feel bad for Yi Chang-jun. Because he just felt like he was a straight-up monster. I kind of expected Shimok to feel that way, but at the same time, I felt kind of hurt. <laughs> I, I did just feel bad because even though they were on different sides, uh, that I can't say friendship, but that whole thing between them was just so fantastic. I, mm -hmm. It made me feel so conflicted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So, does anybody else want to jump in and say something? Um, I'll say something about Yu Jae Myung, which is the name of the actor who played Yi Chang Jun. Um, right. I think the first time I recognized him was when he played the kooky dad in Reply 1988. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he was great there. He had great comedic timing. And then he played the beta dad who always got pummeled by his wife in Strong Woman to Wong Zun. And then to see his performance in Forest of Secrets, I was just blown away by his acting. And it was just, he is, I mean, the acting in the show was great on the part of everyone. But I love that he played this chebo with, like, an ulterior motive. And I think there were some people that didn't really like the fact that he committed suicide at the end. But I think, to me, his fate made sense. Um, especially since it's not unheard of for powerful people to commit suicide in Korea. Um, I agree with all of that. I think the suicide was definitely warranted. And I also just wanted to bring up his wife because I also loved her so much. Oh my gosh, yes! yes. I can't yes. even remember who the wife is. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I only remember the actress's name. Her name is Yoon Jae. Yeah, yeah. I think the actress's name was Yoon Jae because it was very similar to the heroine's name or something. I just need to look this up while you talk about it because what? <laughs> he has a wife? What? <laughs> I'm sorry. But do carry on. <laughs> yeah, he had a wife. Um, she came across as like a Barbie to me. Like kind of like a trophy wife since... 
you know, she, her family's the rich one, and he, you know, gained all that power by marrying into her family. And yet, later on, you find out that they actually love, and that they actually loved each other. Mm-hmm. And that he wasn't planning to even marry into that kind of family. And it just, oh, their relationship was so... I kind of didn't like them as people, and they had a, <laughs> at the same time, I felt so much for them. Since I don't remember anything, I can't comment on that. But <laughs> <laughs> No, actually, as you're talking, it was coming back to me. But what I felt about... Um, uh, Ich was the character named Ich Jun About Ich Jun's suicide was that it wasn't... Uh, kind of a an escape or a way out or a because I can't deal with this anymore I mean in one sense it was but I think more it was it he was paying the, like he to himself he saw it as a payment for his sins mm-hmm. yeah but you also there was that in, on another level there was also a lot of on one level it was kind of arrogant as well like I'm not going to live as someone who went down um as in who mm-hmm. while yeah. living so there was there were so many layers to why he chose uh, to to go like that, and I found that really interesting. Yeah, I agree. I feel like he was trying to just finish his mission with that one last send off, you know. Yeah, it was his way of um, trying to like kind of have it both ways, like give all of that evidence to Shimok to expose mm-hmm. everything, actually having to watch things unfold and kind of deal with the consequences and you know all of that mm-hmm. yeah so he did get to have his cake and eat it basically <laughs> and speaking of having your cake and eating it too can we talk about dong jay <laughs> he's <laughs> such a great character so like before we talk about his character in this can we talk just quickly uh, allude to probably his most loved character which is a uh, righteous prosecutor in yes. city hunter because basically oh, that's oh, the last yeah. thing i saw him I in him. <laughs> well, and polar, I, polar opposites right exactly i it's never so great. saw yeah. hunter but, but i did hear that he played like a great character so i mean i was surprised that he was able to play such a smarmy weasel so well but oh i loved his character <laughs> Love that he did it. Was so slimy and so funny. Yeah, <laughs> and I loved his ending. I thought it was the actual best ending that anybody had yeah, in the entire show. I love, I love that he didn't change at the end because yeah. you know what? That's realistic. Like exactly. It's um, like he did try to, and he was good for about five minutes, and then it's like you know back to his old tricks. But you, you know, or like five seconds. Back. I mean, it's so real. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he's a he's a middle aged man with the song TTS's ringtone. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. I could not believe oh, that scene. Oh my the god. They were just the best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that scene on the bridge. Oh my god. Um, between him and scene. I was just yes. like, oh, I was just like, I could I stopped breathing throughout the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, that was an amazing scene. And sorry, that's all I have to say. (laughs) I just feel constantly embarrassed by the fact that all I've got to add to many of these points is I don't remember that scene. (laughs) There was a lot going on. There was just, yeah, it it was so densely packed. Uh, Go ahead, Chikachanga. Just going back to Tongje, um... Yeah, I love the fact that he didn't change at the end. And in terms of acting, I love that, like, when you were watching him, you could, like, see the wheels in his head always turning. Like, he's, like, the guy who's always calculating what the best move is in order to reap the most gains. That's so true. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And, like, Forrest is a really bleak drama, but there were always some great moments of levity thanks to Tongje, so... I love that smarmy weasel. (laughs) (laughs) Totally agree. You could definitely see those wheels turning when he was trying to, I think, relay information to Shimok. To Shimok, Mm -hmm. and he kept getting the information wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the crane. The best. (laughs) He he was proud of himself. He was proud of the information. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I do remember that scene. Thanks, <laughs> I, I think 
I can't remember, but I think I was the one who recapped that episode, and I kid you not, I could not recap that, I could not write that one scene because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> it, was, it was just so ridiculous, and I, like, needed that moment throughout all the time. <laughs> yeah. It was so fascinating because he's so funny, and yet, like, he had that moment with Unsu in the alley. At that point, like, we suspected that he might be the murderer, and like, mm-hmm. the phone starts strangling her. So uncomfortable to watch, and it felt so real. And and that whole, you know, how he reacts afterwards, and how shocked he is by his own actions, and, like, it was just so... Mm-hmm. And it made you realize, also, that he was genuinely dangerous, as well. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you're in danger of thinking... You know, he's no more than a sort of a, a comedic gag type of uh, someone you don't need to take too seriously. But the fact mm-hmm. that that scene cemented in your mind, he, he is perfectly capable of being dangerous, even if it shocks him, like, if it shocks himself with it, he's perfectly yeah. capable. Yeah. And the fact that we all believed it. Yeah. And it kind of underscores, like, the point of the whole drama of, like, one is capable of. You know, it's not just evil people do evil things and good people do good things, but mm-hmm. one can go down that path if they have the right motivation and if they, you know, are in the right situation. So, guys, season two. Yes? No? Um, <laughs> I don't really need a season two. Before we talk about a season two, what did you think of the ending in general? I loved it. I mean, I loved the show from start to finish, and the show felt complete. and. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I thought it was like a perfect ending that yes. left it open for season two, but like I don't need a season two. Yep. But if the same exact team comes back for season two, I would trust them. I'm back too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's really perfectly set up for a season two because like a lot of dramas will give you little tidbits and suggest a season two, but this one has const- it's like got a fully constructed um uh, uh like a, f- a fully constructed shell ready for season two so like yeah. like you say i agree that it's it's complete on its own but mm-hmm. a season two would do just great and i would when watch the heck out of it when you say <laughs> totally. that do you mean a season two with the same cast or a season two with mm-hmm. a different cast would also it would work. have to be the same cast because otherwise mm-hmm. like that emotional investment that you put into it that's the whole point like for mm-hmm. me a season two is about a returning cast not like yes. a spin-off because yeah. if it's not the same cast then it's a spin-off <laughs> so totally I mean, the villain would have to be probably different, but yeah. other than that, you know, our protagonists would need to be the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the writing, I thought Isyun is just so smart, and I'm so jealous that this was her first TV drama, and yeah. it was such a masterpiece. Like, how awesome! Your first drama is like just maybe the greatest thing you've ever written. Um, Has this writer written anything else? She's done a feature film, um, and I think it was also like a dark psychological thriller. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm dying to. She's so good. Yeah, this was her first TV drama, and, well, I mean, she's great. For reference, we should look up who who that is. Um, And... I want this director to always work with this writer because the direction was amazing. And it's funny because, like, his credits are kind of... I mean, he's done some light stuff. He's done, like, um, I think it was a web series that was based on a comic that was, like, romantic. And he also did, I think, Mrs. Cop. Mm, oh, Mrs. Cop was really bad there. Uh, actually, that's one of the reasons that put me off watching this, because I watched Mrs. Cop, one of the few people in the universe who did. Um, and it was a really bad drama. I so, think he did Mrs. Cop 1 or 2, I don't one, remember. 1. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. But there's that rare chemistry that you sometimes get between writers and directors, which yeah. I, mean, I think this is on, like, Signal levels of, like, yes. perfection, where Signal also had perfect chemistry between the writer and director. Yeah. And you can just see that the writer has this vision and the director just <coughs> that vision and like takes it to mm-hmm. another 
another level and the actors are like in their element and everybody yep. working together and it's like lightning in a bottle and just yes I hope this writing director pair, like, they don't ever separate. Like, they should work together (laughs) again. Yeah. Or else you will write. (laughs) (laughs) So if you had to recommend... start a letter writing campaign. (laughs) (laughs) If you had to to recommend this drama to someone in, like, three sentences, uh, uh, elevate a pitch for the drama. What what have you got? Hmm. Hmm. I actually have been recommending it to people. It's a hard drama to it's recommend, hard. though, because, you know, on paper, it just sounds like another run-of-the-mill legal thriller. And, yeah, I, I don't know, probably, it, it is a hard show even, to pitch. You're right, because I probably wouldn't have even watched it if I didn't have to, you know? And I wasn't, I didn't have any expectations. I was like, oh, another dark drama about prosecutors? Like, mm-hmm. no thanks, mm-hmm. but it ended yeah. up being... And I probably wouldn't have stuck with it if not for everybody's sort of um, raving uh, reviews of it. Uh, Like I say, the first half was hard. And even now, I'm not quite sure that I would recommend... Like, I I feel like the black sheep here because I don't feel the same way about it that everyone else does. (laughs) But, um, like, I liked it and it was really good. But it wasn't... Like, for me, it wasn't the best drama of the year. And that... Shout out to Circle. For me, that was Circle. Um... But Ooh, so, <laughs> so yeah, I feel like, I seen circle either. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Um, but I feel like this was the best qualitatively, the best made, and the best show of the year. But for Amen. me emotionally, my favorite was actually "Live Up to Your Name," which I know a lot of people didn't see, but like that one had. I my did. Heart I have finished more. it. Though. Yes, you did. <laughs> you need to finish it. I'm saving. I just felt <laughs> like that one made me cry and laugh. And you know, get totally invested. This one I was also invested, but it was a little bit less of a. It was more cerebral. Like it was much more. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. could watch it more objectively rather than sort of like, for example, um, like uh, Chikshan, you said it's on a par with Signal for you. Or did like I say that? I'm not sure. That was anyway, me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you but said I it's on a par for Signal. Thing with the thing with Signal is that Signal for me was at every level, like um emotionally as well as technically and with forest of secrets i'm not sure i would say emotionally it was uh, it was not in the same league emotionally uh, as signal was for me um, i can though, agree with that yeah signal was more emotionally that's more like seven day queen that was my favorite for the year so far oh i didn't watch that that's another one i'm scared to watch i really want to but i'm scared I really no, want to be scared. Kill your emotions. Bring them oh. bring them back to life and then kill them again. I'm oh I'm trying to forget that people have said all of these things so that I can watch it. And, and <laughs> I think you've put me back by another six months. Uh, yeah, I don't think my heart can take that. <laughs> that and Kakshita, which I still haven't watched yet. It makes oh. me really excited to see like um the year end reviews because I wanna see what people really think is like the best crafted drama. 2017. You know what mine is. <laughs> <laughs> you don't keep us in suspense, Tukachanga. Just leave it all out there in the line. Hot on your sleeve. Just like Yojin. <laughs> yep. No secrets with me. I just love your un- your undying love with the show. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love dark shows. Yeah, I that's the thing. That. I think like dark, twisty. For me, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's it. I'm no, done. I think for me, this was an unexpected surprise, and I really loved it, but it's not, like, my genre that I, I was you know, go all in I was just about to for. say that. I was just about to say that yeah. you, you, you're a rom-com person. Like, you love your um, slice of life and your romances, and so if it's quite... It, it's a little bit out of your way when you, um, you know, go for a thriller, and a thriller like this. So getting your Especially perspective on this really I interesting. I was having a little bit of like prosecutor fatigue, to be quite mm. honest. I did like defendant. Yeah, so I was like, really okay, but it's Jo Sung Woo and you know Pei Duna, and I was like, okay, whatever. And then it was just like blown away. So. And I had terrible show fatigue, so <laughs> I was blown away by four. And it was like an oasis in the desert for you. Huh? Yes. It was God's gift, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I love puns. So on that last note, I think that's the perfect 
place to leave it. I think it is. So, thank you so much to our guests for joining us. Thank you, uh, Sailor Jimwin. Thank you, uh, Chicka Chunga. It was really fun. Come again. Yeah, <laughs> please, please, please do. <laughs> We're going to drag you here anyway. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>